Well, good morning, church. Lovely to be with you, lovely to be up here. Um, Today we are continuing in our series looking at what it means to be the feet of Jesus, to follow in his footsteps in our own context here and now. And we've seen um, how Jesus' feet took him into the storm last week with Phil. We've um, seen how his feet took him to the lost with Matt Skirton a couple of weeks ago, into the wilderness and into healing with Will. And today my job is to explore what it means to follow Jesus up the mountain to be with God. That's what I was meant to be preaching on. Uh, It's changed slightly. We're going to be exploring what it means to follow Jesus into the... Quiet place to be with God, I think, is how I would describe it. So, (laughs) here we go. Do you ever feel like life is this massive kind of roller coaster ride and you just want to get off and rest for a little bit? I don't know about you, but that is how I feel most of the time. To just press pause, take a time out, just for a moment to catch your breath. Maybe you are a young parent and you're in that season of what feels like never-ending dirty nappies and colds and ear infections and night feeds and teething and more germs and snotty noses and fussy eating and potty training and constant questions. Why? And then the germs hit again and you can't remember the last time you slept through the night or drank a whole cup of tea without it going cold. I remember those days well. Or maybe it's work. And you're in that season of desperately trying to save up for a house deposit and you're having to say yes to all those extra hours and all those extra shifts. You're trying to get some money together or perhaps you're a little further on in your career and work demands are eating up your time. There's project deadline after project deadline after project deadline that are impossible to keep up with, but you are trying all the same. Or maybe you're in that sandwich phase of life with both children and aging parents, each needing you, and you're there in the middle trying to give all of yourself to both and being stretched. Whatever context we find ourselves in, life can be overwhelming and we start to feel anxious, heavy laden and burdened. In those moments of overwhelm, many of us, myself included, try and escape the pressure by turning on a screen, scrolling mindlessly through social media, binge-watching Netflix, just trying to find some kind of escape. And I freely hold my hands up and confess that that, at the moment, is my go-to stress relief too. In fact, Friday night, my family found it very funny when they found me actually falling asleep with my finger hovered over my phone in the middle of my Instagram feed. Never mind. We go to these places to give ourselves some relief for those endless to-do lists, deadlines, decisions, worries and cares swirling around inside our head, swirling around inside our heart. And I don't think I'm the only one in the room to do this. Life for many of us is busier than we can comfortably handle on our own, but we try to do that anyway. And underneath all of this, something in our hearts cry out. There must be a better way to live. And Jesus says, yes, yes, there is. In the Gospels, we find an astonishing invitation and a practical example of how to live. And more than that, how to flourish in a busy, hectic, crowded life. In Matthew's Gospels, we find these words at the end of chapter 11. Okay, it'll be at the back. You can listen. Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me. 
Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Matthew 11 from the Message Version. I mean, who doesn't want to say yes to that? But how do we do it? It's all very well reading that out. And you're like, yeah, that's, that sounds great, Emma. But how? Um, well, we look at Jesus and we do what he did. One of the practices of Jesus, one of those unforced rhythms of grace, which he um, talks about and which he modeled and demonstrated for us so beautifully, is this practice of retreating into the quiet for time alone with his father. I know for some of that, some of us, this is pretty basic stuff. Um, But I also know that every so often we need to be reminded of the basics. So bear with me because that's what we're doing today. If you turn in your Bibles to Mark chapter 1. Now, I love the Gospels so much. They are probably my favorite place to be in the Scriptures. Not just because of the record and the just incredible stories of the miracles and the signs and the wonders of Jesus. Not just for the outstanding, profound teachings of Jesus, but also for those beautiful glimpses of Jesus' private life. Those moments of humanity that those closest to him got to see and then wrote down. That give us such an insight into his life that we then can follow. So Mark starts his gospel at the start of Jesus' ministry. And Mark's gospel, I always say, is the blockbuster gospel. It is action-packed, one action scene after another. And so it is fast forward from the get-go. And in the midst of all the action, in Mark chapter 1, verse 35, Mark kind of casually, kind of throwaway line, mentions this. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark... Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon and his companions went to look for him. And when they found him, they exclaimed, everyone is looking for you. Jesus replied, let's go somewhere else, to the nearby villages, so that I can preach there also. That is why I have come. So he traveled throughout Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. Or flip over a few pages into Mark chapter 6. And both before and after the extraordinary events of the feeding of the 5,000, Mark notes that same urge of Jesus to be alone with his father, starting at verse 30. The apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all they had done and taught. They've just kind of been sent off on a ministry trip and they've come back full of good news. Then, because so many people were coming and going that they didn't even have a chance to eat, Jesus said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. So they went away by themselves to a solitary place. Now, if you know the story, and I'm sure you do, you'll know that instead of calming down and finding rest, their day just gets busier with feeding 5,000 people. And Jesus, again, sends the disciples off by boat, dismisses the crowd, 
And we read this in verse 46. After leaving them, he went up on a mountainside to pray. To pray. Or flip over into Luke's gospel, where we read the following in Luke chapter 5. Yet the news about him spread all the more, so that crowds of people came to hear him and be healed of their illnesses. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Or just a little further on from there in chapter 6, and verse 12. One of those days, Jesus went to a mountainside to pray and spent the night praying to God. When morning came, he called his disciples to him and chose 12 of them, whom he also designated apostles. In each of the passages we read, we read even, we see that Jesus is retreating into what is variously translated into English as the quiet place, the lonely place, the solitary place. But in the original Greek, it's all the same word, the eremos. And Mill will, even Mill, will mention the Eremos back on our first session because it's also translated as wilderness. And it's the same word you see in, um, in Mark, uh, Matthew chapter 4 when he goes and is tempted in the wilderness. So I think there's a practice here of Jesus, which is crucial for us to look at and to follow in his footsteps. What you notice when you look at the context of all of those verses above is they are all in the midst of a really busy period. Jesus was a busy guy. Most of the passages we've read are either preceded or followed by crowds of people pursuing him, not just one or two. And they are constantly looking for healing. They're looking for deliverance. They're looking for more of his teaching, more demanding of his time and his energy. And it feels like when you read the Gospels, particularly Mark's Gospel, that Jesus is constantly on the go. And yet, time and again, we see Jesus making time to be alone with his father in the quiet, in silence and in solitude, and making that his priority. For Jesus, this is not an added extra to happen if he's got spare time. This is an essential component to life from which everything else flows. And I believe that it's from that time, from time spent alone with his father, that Jesus received the power and the peace that he needed to fulfill his ministry here on earth. Yes, the disciples need him. Yes, the people need him. Yes, the ministry needs him. The job needs him. There is so much to do and there is no denying that. So much to do and so little time. But Jesus understands and models to us that our number one priority is always our relationship with our Heavenly Father. And from that place flows everything else. I have to confess to you that that is not the case in my life. I often think that God chuckles when he gives me topics to preach on. He's like, yeah, that'll be Emma's. <sighs> Thank you very much. Because so often when I'm giving a topic, as I'm doing the prep and the planning for it, I'm like, oh man, that is exactly what I need to hear. Like, I am totally preaching to myself today. Life has been, my husband would agree, truly manic since September and going back into teaching. Whew, I see the wrong end of midnight more often than I don't. 
And I am ashamed to confess, but I do confess to you, and I'm honest with you this morning, that one of the first things to go when I get busy is my time with God. Rather than it being the foremost priority that we see in the life of Jesus, it becomes an optional extra to be done after my planning, after my marking, after my lesson prep, after my Instagram feed has been gone through, after I've spent time with my girls and my husband. It's the cherry on the cake rather than the bread of life which feeds me. So please be aware this morning what I say I'm preaching to myself. And as um, God kindly made me reflect on why it is that when life gets busy, time alone with him gets pushed out, I have felt really challenged because I've had to sit with the uncomfortable truth that my default position, and maybe yours too, is actually one of self-reliance and independence. Because I can do this life without him. I am busy, Jesus. I don't have time for you today. That's what my actions say. And when I do spend time with him, it's usually with one part of my brain on him, but most of my brain busy putting together the to-do lists, thinking about what I've got to do next, kind of, can, have I spent enough time with him now that I can now move on? I've had to really wrestle with the fact that there are still times when I'm putting myself firmly on the throne of my life and in essence saying, God, I am too busy with you. My time is too precious to spend it with you. My job is more important than my time with you. And so I'm choosing to spend my time there. It's been a sobering reflection. I'm still working through it. It's an attitude I'm still having to repent of. But that is what my choices, maybe our choices, communicate. See, we have this beautiful resource of time, and it's finite, 168 hours a week. And some of that's definitely spent sleeping. Not as much as I would like in my case. But a lot of it we have the choice over how we spend it. Are we choosing to prioritize our relationship with our Father? Because that's what Jesus did. If we are following in his footsteps, that's what we should be doing either. To my shame, looking back over the past weeks, I've too often chosen to spend my time mindlessly scrolling rather than spending it with the one who holds out that beautiful invitation we read earlier. St. Teresa of Avilia, she puts it far more eloquently than I ever could. She says this, I think if I'd understood then, as I do now, how this great king really dwells within this little palace of my soul, I should not have left him alone so often. But as I've sat with this and sat with Jesus, mulling my message over with him, I've been challenged, yes, absolutely, but I've also been encouraged. Because I've also been reminded that our journey with Jesus is one of endless, abounding grace. And as I've been kind of working through this with Jesus, I've had this one image keep popping into my head. And it's the one of the father in the story of the prodigal son who waits patiently and expectantly for his child to return home. And when he does, there is no condemnation. There is only embrace. So if you, like me, have been neglecting your relationship with God recently, 
if you, like me, have spent more time elsewhere on social media or on TV or on sports or whatever it is that you do to kind of fill up time, then know that he is waiting for you and he is longing for you. And when you decide to make the time to be with him, there is never condemnation. There is only ever grace and embrace. So when we decide to make that choice, to spend time alone in the quiet with Jesus, what happens? Well, I believe that when we come to Jesus and we spend time alone with him, he is a giver of so many gifts. And I want to just look at two of them today. Firstly, we receive this beautiful gift of power. Think again of the verses that we read earlier. In each of those cases, Jesus goes on to do something incredible, a visible demonstration of the kingdom of God. Now, passages in Mark, it's feeding the 5,000 people, and then he walks on water. After 40 days alone in the Eremos, or wilderness, Jesus demonstrates power over Satan, resisting the temptations put on offer. On the Mount of Transfiguration, yet another example of Jesus going up a mountain to be with God, we see him receiving power from God, ready to face what awaits him in Jerusalem. On each occasion, it seems to be that in time alone with his father, Jesus receives the strength, the power to continue on the journey. And it's not a one-off thing. From the Gospels, it seems that Jesus had this regular pattern of making time to be alone in the quiet with his father, away from others, away from distractions, away from the influence of the world, just him and his dad. And from that relationship flowed the strength and the power he needed. I'm just going to grab my now cold tea. Yeah, cold tea is bad. Uh, where was I? Yes. The same is true for us. It is hard to live a Christian life. It is hard to live a life that's pleasing to God. It is hard to live a life of love in a world which teaches us to hate. It's hard to live a life of radical generosity in a world which teaches scarcity and selfishness. It's hard to live a life of peace in a world which stirs up violence at every opportunity. It's hard to live in vulnerable community in a world intent on isolation and individualism. It's hard to live a life of grace in a world that seeks to condemn. We're called to live a life of service to others in a world that screams at us, me, me, me first. We're called to deny ourselves, to take up our cross and follow him in a world which celebrates and idolizes the self. Self-denial? What's that? So how do we combat this? Where do we find the strength and the power to live a life that imitates Christ? Jesus gives us the answer. It's through time alone with him. It's through fostering that deep connection with our dad. Here we find the strength and the power to live a life of obedience, to live according to his ways, to resist the temptations put across our own path. Jesus knew he was living in hostile territory. The world was against him. 
Satan was actively trying to destroy him. And so he invested time and energy, keeping that connection to his father strong and vibrant. We are living in hostile territory. The world is against us. And Satan is actively trying to steal, kill and destroy. And so we need to be investing time in our relationship with our father to keep that connection strong and vibrant. It's when we spend time alone with God as we sit in his presence that he can reveal to us parts of our life, parts of our heart, parts of our thought patterns or our attitudes that he wants to transform by his spirit to make us more like Jesus and to live a life pleasing to him. Without time in the quiet with Jesus, we can all too easily become worn out, tired, heavy laden, burned out. Jesus does not want us to live that way. The invitation is there. Come to him. Spend time with him. Receive the strength and the power we need to thrive and to flourish. As well as power, I believe that time alone with Jesus also offers us peace. Life is hectic. It is overwhelming. And at the moment, this world is scary, like genuinely scary. The future is uncertain in a way that it hasn't been for a really long time. And anxiety is like this silent pandemic sweeping society. It feels sometimes like we are living on a precipice. And in the midst of all of this turmoil, where can we go to know peace? Jesus gives us the answer. Into the Eremos. Into the quiet place with Jesus. It's there. As we lean into him, as we fix our eyes upon him, that he comes and ministers to us. Realigning our perspective. Quietening our fractious hearts. As we spend time with him in the quiet, in the scriptures, in the book, in prayer, we find this beautiful exchange starting, starting to happen. And we're invited by Jesus to cast our cares onto him, all our anxieties, passing them over to him and receiving in exchange his peace, which passes all understanding. So often, many of us are running on empty, our minds whizzing at 100 miles an hour as soon as we get up in the morning, our day fueled by caffeine and adrenaline, feeling all of this pressure, like the walls are closing in around us, the weight of life bearing down on us. And Jesus stands there and says, come away with me. Like, spend some time with me, like 10 minutes. Give me all of those cares. Give me all of that burden. Let me take it from you. It's like we're being squeezed. And in the quiet place, in time alone with God, we hand these over and we can breathe. We can find the space that our souls desperately crave. The psalmist often speaks about the Lord taking him to a spacious place. And I love that image so much. It really does speak to me. He promises peace to all those who come to him. And in a world which regularly snatches peace away, or at least tries to, 
We need to be coming regularly to sit and rest with him. One of my favorite um, prayers that I often use to start off my time with Jesus is um, taken from the Lectio 365 devotional. And if you haven't got it, it's a brilliant free app. I thoroughly recommend it. And it says this. It says, as I enter prayer now, I pause to be still. To breathe deeply. To recenter my scattered senses upon the presence of God. And in those few moments of silence after the prayer before they start the next bit, I can feel my soul, which is all kind of like this, just slowly release and relax into the arms of my father as he gently comes alongside. <laughs> Why don't I do it more often? <laughs> and that peace that we receive as we spend time alone with him, it rubs off. Did you know that? Have you ever been around someone who just gives off these calm vibes? I have a, a wonderful friend. Her name is Frauke. She lives up in Oxford. She's German. But she has this ability, this amazing ability to bring a sense of God's calm and peace into any room that she's in. Like I can go and meet Frauke and I'd be like, Rah! and after five minutes, I'm like, oh, yeah, okay. And and she's a very calm lady um, and very quiet. We're quite opposite. Um, but she has this amazing sense of peace. And it comes from the fact that I know she spends a lot of time alone with God. And it shows. What difference could we make to those around us in our family, in our friendship group, in our workplace, if we chose to spend more time in the presence of God, receiving his peace and then being able to offer it to others. I struggled to know where to land my sermon this morning. Landing is not the best bit of my sermons. I know that's the bit I've got to work on. Um, and I really struggled to know where to land it today. But I think the best place to land it is to remind us again of the beautiful invitation that Jesus offers because it really is stunning. And it is on offer to each one of us if we make the choice to spend some time with him. Jesus says to us, are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. The invitation from Jesus is there. The choice about whether we take up that invitation to experience more of the presence of Jesus, the power of Jesus, the peace of Jesus, that's down to us. Let's pray.
And what I'm going to do is actually do what I preached. I'm going to leave a couple of moments of quiet for you to have a conversation with your father. I don't know where you're at. Maybe your life alone with God is amazing and you have two hours of silent prayer in the morning and you come and it's like your face is radiant. And wow, I'm jealous, fantastic. Praise God, may it continue. But I've got a feeling for many of us it's not like that. So I'm going to leave a few moments for you just to have a conversation and maybe you need to say, God, I'm sorry that I've been choosing to spend my time on things that aren't giving me life. Help me to make better decisions.